0: Hey guys, it's Nathan, this is episode number 24 of The Nathan Seawood Show. The Nathan Seawood Show, personal conversations with powerful men. Hey guys, welcome to the show, thanks for tuning in, back from a couple of weeks off. I had uh, some issues with some guests, one had a family emergency and and couldn't make the interview and I've just been absolutely swamped with work and uh, coaching conversations and everything so I, I couldn't really catch up so it means I've missed a couple of weeks of episodes but Uh, Thanks. I hope you missed me. And thanks for uh, coming back again. As always, thanks for sharing the show around. Thanks for telling your friends about it and getting them involved. If you're a a coach or a therapist, thanks for uh, sharing the show with your clients. I know it's a great support tool uh, to listen into these conversations as a support to uh, someone that's on a coaching journey. And I really appreciate it, so so thank you. Uh, not much to report on my end. I've been just flat out still doing 100 free coaching conversations. I think I'm up to number 30 or something like that. And it's been incredible. I've just had so many great conversations with men, women, old, young, Americans, Australians, Kiwis, uh, coaches, non-coaches, uh, people from, from all over the place. And it's been amazing. Some people just starting out on their personal development journey, some people well and truly into it and just looking for a couple of little Uh, tips to to help them out. But uh, I've had some amazing conversations and I've really, really enjoyed it. Uh, Common themes, uh, something that's been there for me and maybe I'm just seeing it in other people, (laughs) it's highly likely, but I'm noticing that a lot of people are focused on doing. You know, people want to do more and they want to know what they should do and uh, am I doing enough and and what's my purpose and what should I be doing with my life. Uh, And I've just really come to realize you know over the last probably year or so that it's really about who we're being it's not about what we're doing so uh i haven't been answering these people's questions when they say what should i do i I refuse to answer it and they say well you know who do you want to be who do you want to be first how do you want to be who are you like who who are you and who do you want to be uh which has been such an interesting interesting exploration I'm a firm believer in affirmations. I do a lot of affirmations, and one of my affirmations is that I am enough. So it's like the first thing I say to myself every morning is I am enough. That's who I want to be. I want to be enough. If I don't believe I'm enough until I do something, there's not going to be a lot of joy in that. So I really um, focus on what I want to be. I've mentioned this before, I think, but in the Western world we kind of Think that we need to do something But we're often actually trying to be someone Or become someone through that doing So if I was to Change jobs Or if I was to make more money Or if I, um, if I was to get healthy or fit that, That's the stuff I want to do But really what I want to be is free I want to be financially free I want to be happy I want to be proud of myself I want to be content I want to be fulfilled I want to actually feel uh, you know, Like I've made it for once So we're actually trying to become someone through doing. So my question always is, how can we shortcut the process and just be that now? How can you create some some new beliefs that you are free? I am free. I am enough. I am love. I am in flow. All these beautiful things. So that's something I've been encouraging. A lot of the people I've been speaking to is just focus on who you want to be. An expert at that is uh, my guest, Leo Barbada, who's on the show today. Leo is the creator of... One of the biggest personal development blogs in the world, net and leo's cool he didn't he, does, he doesn't keep track of how many readers he ha, has anymore because um, he was finding that he was getting stuck in that ego trap of of like wanting more readers, but he estimates it's over a million readers now, which is absolutely phenomenal to have that kind of impact and influence on. On all those people's lives. But you can see why once we started having a conversation, Leo has such a beautiful presence about him. He's he's uh kind of got this innocence, this fun, this openness, this vulnerability, and this real commitment to helping people to grow and develop. And he's been on the journey himself from uh growing up in Guam, which you will hear about, uh Leo was uh he has six kids, so a huge family. He was a smoker, he was overweight, the bills were piling up, he wasn't making enough money to pay them. And so he really started the blogs, the inhabits out of trying to overcome his own problems and just writing about that. And some of the things that he, uh, he found helpful. So now Leo's big goal is to help people, uh, change their, their struggle into joy, how to find joy and fun and love and fulfillment and gratitude within your struggles, within the things that you, you find hard and that you're struggling with. So Uh, You're going to love this conversation. I I had so much fun with Leo, and yeah, I really hope you get a lot out of this. As always, I start the conversation asking about his upbringing in in Guam, and I really hope you enjoy this uh, very personal conversation with the powerful Leo
1: Balbana. My my dad is a native uh, islander from Guam, and my mom is... um, an American from Wisconsin, her family's from Wisconsin, so she came there when she was young, and um, and they had me, so I'm a, I'm a mixed um, breed. But I was born in in the states, uh, spent mo- most of my life on Guam, but uh, back and forth between Guam and like California, Washington, uh, Portland, and um, but almost all my adult life was spent on Guam, uh, all my formative years, and then um, even as as I had a family, I got married had kids, got divorced, got married again, had more kids. <laughs> um, and so now we have like a mixed family of six kids. Uh, most uh, half of them are adults now. Um, but yeah, we we were from Guam and we left Guam in 2010, took the whole family, sold everything, had like a backpack each on our backs and moved to San Francisco. And so we live in Northern California now. But yeah, most of my life was spent on Guam.
0: And what defines um, growing up in Guam? Like, is it a time you look back on fondly
1: yeah oh we so i have uh, i told you about the different um sides of me i have a a great family on my mom's side um and so i got that like kind of american culture in the tropics yeah uh, but i also have my dad's side and, and that was a very different experience because the guam has a very um unique i think a unique culture that is mixed with like Spanish uh, colonial influences, and we're all Catholic. Um, but at the same time, there's was, there's was American influences for more than a hundred years now. We have our native islander. Uh, we were occupied by the Japanese for um, you know during World War II, and so there's still, still some bitterness about that. But we also like uh, have some of their their um, contributions. So it's like this mix that is so unique. Um, and uh, yeah, it really influenced who I am so yeah it's it's just an interesting uh thing growing up on Guam.
0: Yeah, really interesting and and is you, are you quite connected to that native culture, like your dad's side at all?
1: Um, I think like a lot of uh mixed um, ethnicity pe- people I'm, I'm one of them, uh, there's always this sense that, well, at least for me, there's a sense that you're not quite a part of it a part of either side. Right. Uh, At least that's, that's, that was my experience. So I was always kind of, uh, the Chamorro people is what they're called. While while I'm with Chamorros, I'm always kind of the Americanized Chamorro. Yeah. And when I was with my American family, I'm always the brown, uh, brown brown-skinned American. So it was always like, oh, I'm a little bit of an outsider in both. And that was kind of a interesting way to experience both of those cultures. But yeah, it's, I definitely feel a strong connection to the Chamorro culture, um, I was never—I wasn't really raised Catholic, um, but other than that, there's the food, there's the language. I grew up with the language; it's part of me. Um, there's there's all kinds of like Native Indigenous um, beliefs, and I don't quite believe all of those things, but I, it's definitely influenced who I am, and it's really cool growing up a part of that.
0: Any one of those that like sticks out? Any of those kind of um, cool beliefs?
1: Yeah, well, uh, they, they did this, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the show, something like Ghost Hunters or something like that that they have in American TV. And they go around and try and investigate these different, like, ghost stories. So they did one on Guam, and it's about the native indigenous belief of our ancestors, of we believe that when our ancestors die, they actually, their spirits still stay in nature. And so you can maybe find there's, there's this, this is the banyan tree, for example, Often is believed to be the home of some of our ancestors, but they're all over. I mean, if you go into the jungle, you have to like be very respectful because of our ancestors. And so the the American show came in without any like sensitivity or knowledge of the context of any of that stuff, and they're just like they believe that there's these ghosts in these trees and all these things, and it, it was hilarious um, and very offensive. But <laughs> that was one of them, and they're called Tautamona. Yes. Um, and you can, if you, as you grow up, you hear all these stories about how the Tautamona appeared before a young child and led them into the forest. Um, and so, and the medicine person has to come and, uh, like bless the kids so that they don't get cursed by that Tautamona and make sure that they show respect to them. And so it's very deeply, uh, entrenched, uh, belief is our belief in our ancestors of the Tautamona.
0: I really love that stuff. Like I feel... I moved away from a lot of that stuff in my 20s and just became very logical and, and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the more I kind of get into spiritual work, the more I enjoy those stories Yeah. and, and the myths and, yeah, kind of what they represent.
1: And I don't know much about the the Maori culture, but I'm sure you grew up with a lot of that stuff around you too. They have, they probably have their own version of a lot of that stuff, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, I I, um, I was exposed to it in places, but where I came from, in the south it wasn't as strong as the other parts of New Zealand but you know it's I'm embarrassed that I don't know more about it to be honest but it's it's on my um on my list to go and investigate more of that and kind of understand more about it
1: yeah i'm sure that embarrassment is pretty uh, common in yeah. uh, not only in New Zealand but I'm sure in a lot of places <laughs> like I should know more about this yeah
0: definitely i think we have um we have a pretty good relationship with the Maori like the Uh, European and the Maori thing is um, Mm -hmm. the native people of different countries. It's it's a pretty tumultuous thing around the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think as far as they go, like our our founding document is called the Treaty of Waitangi, and uh, you know it's still very controversial. Uh, But that that's the document that was signed between the Europeans and the Maori, and it's still our um, the document that we use today. So Um. we we don't have a New Zealand Day; we have a Waitangi Day. That was the day the treaty was signed. Um, and there's a big, there's a
1: lot of respect for for uh, the native culture.
0: Yeah, there is. Like you see it everywhere. Uh, I think it's still strange. Like I, I, I don't want to say that um, it's perfect because it's still. It depends who you talk to, but mm-hmm. I think in terms of if you compare us to the the rest of the world, sure, we're doing okay, <laughs>
1: on that side of things, not as uh, grievous as some places.
0: No, that's right. Like, we have a, a Maori party that's represented in parliament. and um, Yeah, so it's, it's, it's okay. It's yeah, definitely yeah. on my list to learn more about it. But, uh, yeah, I just I, I find it interesting just the – even those myths and stuff and, like, you know, blessing the children and everything, even if it's completely placebo, I still think it's valuable. I was just reading yeah. something yesterday that said, like, with, with any medicine, with any traditional medicine, uh, any medicine at all – 30% of the recovery is still placebo effect mm. you're taking medicine. And so I think, like, when we when we look at that native culture and myths and beliefs and stuff like that, even if it just sounds like rubbish, you know, like buying into it and believing it and living it in the ceremony can have a huge impact on you.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. And I, I think just even the stories and these beliefs just kind of tie people together and they, they bond people as a tribe, um, in a way I think that, um, I think it's, it's fairly, uh, powerful. And I think that's not a bad thing to be bound together. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it can, of course, have, have harmful effects. I'm not saying religion, um, has always been good <laughs> in the history of humankind, but I, I like the idea of being bound together by our, our shared beliefs and stories, um, even, the medicine, you know, these spiritual medicine things. And I think sometimes, even if you don't fully believe in, you know, the power of these, uh, the spiritual power of these things, they do have very symbolic meanings. And again, those things tie us together. I I like that feeling of belonging, of just sharing those things.
0: Yeah, me too. I think that's one thing that, you know, it's kind of an anti-religion movement, you know, out there the last few years. And definitely in New Zealand, like, organized religion is not that, stronger part of the culture. Mm -hmm. But I think what we lose is that community feeling like that, that idea of like coming together on a Sunday and just being together and sharing wisdom and something about that. I love, you know, we've gone to this really independent culture where it's just us and we build walls around our houses and it's like stay out of my personal space. And it's just all about us and all about, you know, being on our own. And and you can tell like a lot of people I talk to, like I can see, a big part of what's missing for them is community, you know, yeah. whatever version of that is. But yeah, I think as we we've moved away from religion, we've lost that coming together community piece.
1: Yeah, and it's that was one of the things. Um, actually, I, I left Guam partly to escape from a lot of the religious stuff. It's just um, like you don't have to believe in it, but they you, you're kind of obligated to go to all of these religious events from like baptisms and christenings to weddings to all of these different things. And it can be a little bit oppressive at times and just feel like, okay, I have to, there's so many obligations. But yeah, when you become, when you get free of that, there's also the freedom from not being together with your family and friends. And, uh, and then you do feel that loss, I think. And so I think, yeah, society can, at least in Guam, you can drift towards that more isolationist thing and and um, I think you can really feel it. It affects our happiness and our bonds together, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. Do, do you think you'll ever go back there? Like, is it live?
1: Yeah. I, I just went back for my uh, wife's father's funeral um, in December, and we stayed for like a month and a half. And I got in the ocean. And the ocean there is like in the – I don't I don't know if you do Fahrenheit, but it's in like 83 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's just like warm bath water. Yeah. And I'm just floating in the ocean, and I'm like – this is where I belong. <laughs> Why have I left this place, you know? Yeah. So one of my dreams now is to buy uh, a house on the beach or build a house on the beach um, near Guam. And I don't know if I'll live there 20, 12 months out of the year, but definitely have that be a home base to come back to.
0: Yeah, beautiful.
1: <laughs> so
0: take me through the, the rest of the story. So you, you when do you leave Guam and, and what happens from there?
1: Yeah, well, we, I, I had actually grown up um, in San Francisco in the Bay Area when I was a teenager, just for uh, during my uh, early teenager years. Um, and then we went back to Guam. So I, I fell in love with the Bay Area um, and always wanted to go back. And I never really had the chance. And then finally, I made it happen. And we moved our whole family over. And it was actually a very traumatic thing, pulling us all, all the kids out of their roots. It's like almost felt like you're really pulling roots out of the ground. Um, How many of you were there? So there, again, there's six of us, uh, six, uh, I'm sorry, me and my wife plus six kids. So it's three boys, three girls. And it ranged in that time from like high school age down to like a four-year-old or a three-year-old, something like that. And so, um, yeah, when we left uh, the airport on Guam, a lot of the family came to see us off and it was this, horrific scene of people just crying, like we were crying, like sobbing going onto the plane of like, this is horrible. (laughs) What have I done? Um, And the kids, you know, really missed Guam when we got there and they um, felt just totally out of place in San Francisco. We didn't have a car. We decided just to walk and use mass transit, which was a good thing for us. But that was another part of this whole culture shock. They had never seen homeless people really before. Um, or drug users or any of that stuff. And so very big culture shock. We didn't know what central heating was cause we didn't need it on Guam. <laughs> and so uh, I didn't know to turn that on the first night and we were freezing. And then till the morning I'm like, Oh, maybe I should turn this on. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was quite a transition, but we, we actually grew to love San Francisco. Um, and just California in general, I've now fallen in love with the uh, Sierra Nevada mountains, which are just gorgeous uh, and so, yeah, I mean, we've, we've come to love this place, but it was quite a transition.
0: Did you have any thoughts about going back? Like in that first few days, first week where you're like, man, let's just, we could get on the plane. Like we could be on the nine o'clock flight. <laughs> like, let's just pack up and go. <laughs>
1: um, I, I'm very stubborn. So, uh, I imagine I have the same spirit as the, in the U S the pioneers who decided to come West and they're like, um, I'm making a farm here and I'm making this work even in the harshest conditions, you know, like we're not going back. That was kind of mine. And the kids probably would would have loved to have flown back the next day. So I had to kind of convince them and make it fun for them. And we like walked all over San Francisco um, on adventures and just really found the the beauty of the place. And I had to help show them that. And that was kind of my challenge as a father.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Is there any other advice you'd give? Like I know this is a, if you want to move up and move to somewhere that's like to live your dream life or to do that and take the family, like that's a, a big a big call for a lot of people. What what helped you and what hindered you during that that move?
1: Yeah, um, well, it did help that we had some family members nearby. Uh, they weren't as um, weren't as many, and we weren't as close to them. But we definitely tried to make that connection just to not feel completely alone. Um, and then I I tried to very quickly make. Uh, personal friends for me and Eva, and uh, we, we we felt like we had some connections there. For for the kids, it was great because we just had kind of a built-in tribe, you know. <laughs> and so we went and did everything together. And uh, for us, it was just trying to make it fun for the kids. Uh, again, we we had uh, been trying to uh, have this idea of them embracing the, uh, a sense of adventure, mm. and this was this whole life was part of that. It was just like, okay, let's make this work. You know, and uh sometimes that means like learning how to deal with cold which they had never dealt with before and um it's just, just like finding our way through a strange city and just exploring it on foot and just not knowing where we're going and just kind of seeing what we can discover. That was um to me one of the best things that we taught them and I think they still have that to this day.
0: That's awesome. That's such a gift. I've been talking to a few people this week and they um a, a common theme for some reason this week was people with kids just feeling stuck, you know, bored and mm-hmm. sitting at home and going through the motions and they feel like they have this adventurous spirit in them, but they have to kind of just stay up uh, with the kids. But it's when you're talking, it's like, man, why can't you, what are you modeling for your kids? Model yeah. adventure, model uncertainty, you know, like how how can you do that?
1: No. Yeah. uncertainty was actually one of the big reasons we moved to San Francisco was I felt like we were in our comfort zone in Guam and, I'm like, well, you know, like we know everything is like this, you know, and it's just set. And I didn't want them to get stuck there. And so I wanted us as a family, but also them individually and me personally to push ourselves into discomfort and uncertainty. Um, and that that uh, way back then in 2010 was a big thing for me and it still is. It's actually, I talked to you about this before, but that's part of my big mission now. So I definitely want to model that for the kids. It's like, let's push ourselves we don't know anybody, I mean, barely anybody. We, have, we don't know anything about the city. Let's push ourselves into that discomfort um, and the uncertainty of whether we could survive in this new place of how to deal with all of this, whether this was the right move for us. We totally didn't know the answers to any of that. And as a father, that was a big, scary thing for me. And that was actually what I wanted, was to feel that fear and um, have to deal with that personally. And the kids as well, I mean, they... Uh, i they're going to have to deal with uncertainty at some point, and I think um, as parents, we have this instinct to try and put them in this cocoon, this comfort zone, and not have them face fear, uncertainty, discomfort, any of that stuff um, as long as we could protect them, but eventually they're going to have to go out of the womb you know and and face that, and at that point, having expected comfort for their entire lives to face discomfort as adults will be like very jarring, I think. And it'll be like, well, the world's not supposed to be like this. And like, what's wrong with the world if it's, you know, causing me this discomfort? And so I would rather be there with them early and help them to deal with it. And and they'll have those tools later to deal with it on their own. But they've, you know, they faced it with me in a more comfortable situation. And then they can do it on their own.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful because you end up creating more humans that are just desperate for comfort you know, that are uncomfortable being uncomfortable. And so just trying to find stability yeah. and comfort, which is not really what I believe, not really what the world needs more of.
1: I actually think it's the source of um, most of our problems is that, that looking for comfort and trying to get away from discomfort. Um, and because discomfort and uncertainty are just a given in life, they're like the basic... That's just you know what life is. You can't. You have no certainty ever. <laughs> and we, for what, for a while, we might fool ourselves into thinking that we do have certainty. Uh, we set up our routines. We have all of our like you know opinions and um, our comfort zone. But eventually, you're gonna face uncertainty and discomfort, and you're gonna want to run from it. You're not gonna want that. And I think for me, I, that's what I was stuck in for a long time. That's actually how I ended up starting Zen Habits was I started to learn to get out of the comfort zone because it had been causing me so many problems. I was like overweight. Um, I I think I told you a little bit about my story, but I was overweight. I was deeply in debt, just couldn't get any habits right. I couldn't get exercise. I couldn't start eating right. Um, I couldn't turn anything around because I was always trying to push off the discomfort of facing all of my problems of exercise, of waking up early and writing the book that I had always wanted to write. Um, and so I pushed off that discomfort and just procrastinated and procrastinated, trying to stay in discomfort, I mean in comfort, and run away from discomfort. But it wasn't until I learned to reverse that and embrace the discomfort that I I actually started to change my life for the better.
0: I love this. That's really beautiful. And it, I learned this recently about myself, well, about human nature really, that We need certainty. Like, that's a human need. Like, we need to know there's a roof over our head every night, and we need to know there's going to be an income coming in. Like, it's nice to have certainty. Sure. Um, But we don't usually talk about that uncertainty is actually a need as well. Like, you need some level of uncertainty. If you just knew everything that was going to happen all the time every day, (laughs) like, life would be so boring, right? You need some uncertainty. That's why people bungee jump and they skydive and stuff. It's because they want yeah. they want the uncertainty of like, man, I, I could die here. You know, they like that uncertainty. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think when people, a lot of the times when people say, oh, I just want to be more adventurous or I want to have a more exciting life, what they're saying is I want more uncertainty in my life. Yeah. How can I find more uncertainty? So I love So how that. do
1: you, how do you uh, push yourself into uncertainty?
0: Well, one of my favorite things to do, uh, I've done it a couple of times in the last year is my partner and I will just, we'll have a week off and we'll just drive out to the airport and we'll just look at the departures board and we'll go like, right, what is it? Like, where are we going? Is it Bali? Is it, <laughs> oh, there's a flight to, LA. oh, we could almost make that flight to Munich. Should we do that? Oh, okay. And then we'll just so what are flight. some of the
1: places you, you picked?
0: The last one we did was Portugal. So we got, uh, it was oh, Lisbon. Man. Yeah. So we were at the airport and we were just staring at the, <laughs> the board and it was like, there was a flight to Zurich and then there was Italy and we'd both kind of been to Italy. And then it was like, oh, Portugal, cool. Let's just jump on that. And so within an hour, we were on a flight to Lisbon, and oh, we turned up at the airport. We arrived at like five PM. We sat in the bar at the the airport and had a had a Heineken and just kind of tried to find a place to stay that night. And man, like so much fun, so much yeah. fun. But it was it was intentional.
1: One of the interesting things about that is you, but you are an experienced world traveler. So you have a little more comfort with that level of uncertainty. I think that's the I problem,
0: I... right? Like I think out of travel, like you want to find some, like that's one f- fun part of travel is discomfort. We, we probably yeah. wouldn't say that, but it's like arriving in a place and looking around and being like, whoa, this is, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> um, and so I, I had lost that a little bit from traveling so much. I feel like oh, you could plonk me anywhere in the world and I figure it out. Yeah. So it was kind yeah. of a way to re-energize travel for me as well.
1: That's cool. I would like to um plan a trip for you where I can make you really uncomfortable. Yeah. What do you <laughs> that think? That could be fun. I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to like um I'd have to see what happens if everything goes sideways. Um, yeah. see how you deal with it. It would be fun to watch just because I think you probably be pretty good at dealing with it, but maybe give you a little bit of uh, adrenaline, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think you're onto something because I think yeah, like I say, you could drop me anywhere and I still I think that's what the iPhone's given us, right? Is like, okay, I'm going to go to hotels.com app and then I'm going to go to the Uber app and then I'm going to rent a car off Kayak and within an hour, yeah. I've you know, I'm comfortable again. So it's, if, yeah. if you stripped, that, that would be the way. If you took my phone off me and said, right, oh, go, yeah, there go, you go somewhere and figure it out, that would be a new level for me.
1: I would like to, well, take your phone away and then I would like something to go horribly wrong. Like maybe... It's very uh, specific. Specific. Yeah, we we simulate like a bomb going off in the the hotel nearby. Perfect. and mm.
0: Can you organize that?
1: Well, no, I've ruined that one.
0: But <laughs> come up with a new one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool, man. I, I I love that. Like, I love um, I love uncertainty. I love discomfort. But yeah, it's still new for me. So, how do you do it now? Like, how do you make sure you're still pushing through
1: the culture? Well, one of the area? things I I realized as I started creating habits for myself is I, and I created these routines. It was always to get certainty in my life. Um, and so it was always like, okay, if I wake up, I do this, 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 and this, and I have like a structure to my day, you know? Um, and I would like declutter everything so that I have like control over my life. So there's control and certainty. And, um, I found that that is, uh, completely an illusion. Like, I, I think I'm getting some uncertainty. And then, again, like like I said, everything can go sideways. And you don't have your routines at this point. You don't have anything to hold on to. And so at that point, I think that's actually the place where you, we need to be. It is just in some place of complete uncertainty. I'm not saying you need to be that way every minute of the day, every sure. day. But we need to put ourselves into that. It's just put ourselves in a completely, un, you know, like for some people, that would be putting yourself into a room with a bunch of strangers and having to talk to them, uh, for other people it would be, you know, I've, I've had friends who were in the, the pickup game. So they had to like, uh, when you first start, you have to like go up to women and just like completely get rejected a bunch of times. And, you know, I mean, you could say whatever you want about pickup artists, but <laughs> that is actually a brilliant thing is pushing yourself into that uncertainty. And after a while that becomes more and more comfortable. Like you, you you're fine traveling the world. Then you have to find something else. And so, yeah, I, I, Uh, One of the things I'm doing is trying to not get so stuck in my routines and um, be a little more free-flowing. Travel is a big one for me. Um, When I travel, I usually try and research everything and plan it all out. And so I'm trying to do a lot less of that. But going into uncomfortable situations, um, I I went to an event with you, actually. That's where we met. And that was an uncomfortable thing for me. I had to get up and talk to a a group. A couple times, I had to uh, just be completely play full out with a bunch of people who I, I felt like you guys already knew what you're doing. And I, I didn't know anything, at you know, so we're good just, at uh, that. yeah, well just, just kind of like allowing myself just to be foolish, like be the fool and not know what I'm doing. It's really good to be like the expert. Cause like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I tell everyone else, but when you come and you're completely the newbie, that's, um, I think a good place to be. Mm. Um, I I, t- I mentioned going back to Guam when my wife's father died, and actually that was a really chaotic time for me. All my routines were out. I didn't. Ha- I couldn't even do work um, because I was doing so much to try and uh, support the family during this, and I was organizing everything. I was like the main organizer of a bunch of different events, just completely um, chaotic, stressful, busy. And I, as I was in the middle of that, I'm like, I'm so stressed out right now. This is actually my practice is to be in the middle of this and be mindful and embrace it, be joyful, be grateful right in the middle of that chaos. Uh, so when I'm in the middle of that chaos, when I'm feeling stressed out and anxious, I, I try and drop into myself and say, okay, this is the practice is to be here now and find that uh, ground in the middle of the groundlessness.
0: And how does that look? It's like meditation. It's just breathing. That's,
1: yeah. So um meditation is basically the practice for it, uh where you learn to like stay present with I don't I'm I'm not uh I hope I'm not preaching to the choir too much. <laughs> you you know the answers to all of these, but um so you're you're not only staying with your breath, but you're learning to stay present with whatever is happening inside of you. Whatever comes up, whether it's anxiety, anger, whatever. And so that's the practice, but then you know, you got to carry that off of the cushion and go into. So like when I was at the event with you, um, there were times when I had to be in an uncomfortable situation. And so I'm in the middle of that and I'm feeling it. And a lot of times what we do is we get stuck up in our heads um, and whatever story is spinning around, like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Or all these people are judging me and all this stuff. Right. We have a narrative going on. And so my practice is to notice when that's happening and that's actually causing the anxiety And just to drop down into the body and just notice what's going on. Like, oh, I'm feeling anxiety. What does that feel like? And it's completely groundless. It's like, you know, you don't have any stability under you. Um, And you're like free falling. I don't know what that's like for a pilot. But, you know, I just imagine, you know, it's like, oh, my God, this is you got you. You're like trying to scramble for some kind of stability and you can't get it. And so now you just have to embrace that feeling of just completely being free falling. And because you can't actually grab onto the stability and actually there's nothing to grab onto is what I'm trying to trying to teach myself. Um, and if you have nothing to grab onto, then you just have to relax into it and embrace it and go with whatever is happening. And that's a really uh, challenging thing, but that's kind of what I'm trying to teach myself.
0: Yeah. It's really challenging. I, I, I get it before I record one of these podcasts, like about an hour before it, it all starts churning up and I'm like, Oh, I sort of laugh at myself now because I'm, It's so on schedule every time. Um, And I sort of drop in and and when I get down to it, it's like, oh, I really don't want to, I don't want to fuck this up. Mm. I don't want to get into this conversation. And then we just have awkward silences. It doesn't go anywhere. You're sitting there scratching your head going, what's going on? Um, And it's just an embarrassment. So I I notice that's the feeling and it sort of comes in, in here somewhere. And so I fully drop into it and I'm like, yeah, that's there. Great. Um, what's the opposite of that? Well, let's just go and try and fuck this up completely. <laughs> <Like> if, I, <laughs> if I could fall in love with just making this an absolute mess, not know what I'm doing, yeah, it would be completely awkward, which is what I said to you at the start.
1: Yeah, let's well, you haven't try. done it yet. You've <laughs> fucked up, fucking it up. So <laughs> I'm trying so hard. Um, but that's my way. So how did you learn? How did you learn to do that? To drop in in the middle of that?
0: Um, I guess. I'm not sure is the answer, but it's it's probably trying to do it the other way, not working. So mm-hmm. for my whole life, whenever I felt fear or scared or uncertain, just pushing that and, well, actually beating myself up for feeling it, going, oh, God, like, you know, why am I so nervous? It's, it's just a conversation, you know, like, just, yeah. oh, I bet, I bet um, Tim Ferriss doesn't feel this when he's recording a podcast, you know, like all the judgment. It does. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But all the judgment and the suffering, right, around that. So that that wasn't working for me. That was just keeping me in the same place. Uh, and the bigger game, I keep you know, the bigger the game that I keep playing, this this feeling doesn't go away. It's not like the more you do, the more it just disappears. Yeah. So it was like, well, how can I make friends with it? It's not going anywhere. So how can I breathe through it, understand it, voice it? You know.
1: So you're saying no one taught you this, or you didn't? You don't have any kind of oh, practice. Oh, I'm sure.
0: Like I read it in books and got coached around it and i can't think of like okay. oh this is the one source that taught me this but right yeah it definitely through
1: a number of of all the different work that you've been doing with coaches and books I think and all, so, yeah and all that stuff. yeah, because honestly the my experience is that most people are not taught that and that is like i said that's that's one of the main problems that we have is we don't know how to deal with that uncertainty when it comes up i think what cause causes you that every single time is you don't know how this call is going to go. Right. Mm. And you don't know what I'm going to think of you and how stupid you're going to look and all this stuff. Totally. And, that, and there's no way to know that. It's absolutely impossible. And so because you're putting yourself in this place of uncertainty, you're going to feel that anxiety or whatever to dread. Um, and most people don't know how to deal with it. You have a practice, which is, I think, brilliant. And I, if everyone had that, I think you know, the world would be a better place. We'd probably have less war, you know, less people beating on each other. Um, well, it's
0: your reaction too, right? Like when you feel yeah. discomfort or when you feel challenged, like some people get angry. I know there's, there's times when I, that, that would be my reaction. Yep, That would be anger, it would be sadness, depression, whatever. So I think you're right. Um, something that just came yeah, to me. We, it, we all have were,
1: strategies. Oh, go ahead. go
0: ahead. No, I was just going to say while you are talking, what came to me is like, the funny thing about doing the podcast is I love this. Like I'm having conversations with people like you, amazing people. I've always wanted to create a podcast. It's towards my mission. So it's not like I'm doing something that I hate. This is my highest joy and purpose. Yeah. An hour before it, I would do anything to get out of it. So I I want, what I want people to get is like, it happens even when you're doing something you love.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, you know, that's one thing I I found too. Sometimes people, well, first of all, I think sometimes people have this ideal of what it's gonna be like, this thing that they that they think they're gonna love. Like, you know, one is writing the great novel, right? Like, I'm gonna write, write a novel, it's gonna be brilliant, I'm gonna be so good at it, and then when they sit down and write it, it's like, they, they hate it, because it's not exactly what they had idealized. So I think the ideals that we have about whatever we love can actually stand in the way, because um, it can be a huge disappointment, when actually you can embrace the crappiness of writing or whatever it is you're doing. But yeah, I think that's the other thing is sometimes that joy that you have can actually be mixed in with fear and dread and uncertainty and all that stuff. And I I don't think that's a bad thing. I think a lot of people want to separate it out and say, I wish I could get rid of the fear and just have the joy. But actually, the two of them can be mixed together in one experience that is actually, I think, a beautiful thing. And I actually wrote a, a post on this where I, I mashed together two words, joy, fear. Um, and so that's my, my word now is joy, fear. Uh, that's patent pending, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so joy, fear, I, I realized this, uh, like all my best moments in life were filled with both of those things. Like uh, when I quit my job, and I know you just did recently, um, when I quit my job, I'm like, Holy shit, I get to do what I love. And also, holy shit, I have to put food on the table and I don't know if I could do that. And so I was really afraid of that. Um, same thing when I had um, my kids, every time they were born, I'm like holding this kid in my hand. And it's like so joyful, like, oh my God, this thing is in my life that is so beautiful. And yet, oh my God, I have to take care of this fragile life <laughs> and not let it die. You know, so it's um, that sense of responsibility is just like crazy. So, All my best moments have that, and and like moments like now. There's, if it's not mixed with those two things, I'm like, maybe I'm not doing something right, you know?
0: Yeah. (laughs) It was too comfortable, you know? Yeah, that becomes a um a guiding feeling, right?
1: Yeah. 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 So, what have been your moments of joy, fear, just out of curiosity?
0: That's a that's a good question. I felt like what came up straight away was just anything to do with my boyfriend, you know, like or saying I love you or leaning into commitment you know, commitment's been a scary thing for me through my 20s. And so yeah. leaning into that, it's like, oh, I love you and I want to spend more time with you and please don't hurt me. <laughs> and wanting to completely run away in that moment. you know,
1: just like, opening that's... your heart to anybody, right? It's, yeah. It's that vulnerability. And, let, and yet if we don't do that, then we can't actually connect and, and love people. But it's such a scary thing, right? It's
0: such a scary thing. And there's a common thing, like you're one of the, top personal development authors in the world right and there's this thing in the personal development industry i'm not sure if people say this but i think this is what's felt you should be happy all the time Mm. once you get through your journey and once you've read one more book it's always one more book it's not the book you're reading it's the next one once you (laughs) finish that one then that's it like you would have found the cure to ending suffering ending uh, struggle as you call it. And just being happy. Yeah. So you would say, and that never happens. <laughs> it never happens, right? It, it, it never gets there. So then you get this thing where it's like, man, I'm, I, I'm doing all this work. I'm meditating. I still feel shitty. I still get nervous. I still feel fear. I'm not that happy that often, man, maybe, maybe I'm just fundamentally flawed. Maybe, there's, yeah. maybe I'm broken. In some wrong way. With me. Yeah. So then the, then you double down on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that just—I think I found that actually to be really common is how people are so have this fundamental dissatisfaction with themselves. And actually, everyone that I've talked to will admit to that at some point. They'll be like, "Yeah, I'm really unhappy with something, like my body. I'm unhappy because I procrastinate so much, or I'm not doing the thing that I love, like Nathan and Leo are. Uh, you know, it's like there's always some reason. Like I found even like the most beautiful people in the world." the first thing that they'll find is the flaw, like, oh, my God, I have wrinkles now right here. was like, oh, my God, you're missing out on all the beauty. Yeah. you know. <laughs> but, yeah, that dissatisfaction with ourselves is so, I think, so basic and common. Um, but, yeah, it comes from, I think, what you were talking about.
0: I, I was just yeah. watching Alan Watts' video yesterday. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, something came to me that he said, and I was looking it up for one of my clients. And um, he was saying, like, we, we kind of feel fundamentally flawed but we don't really know what the floor is or why. And he was saying, it's like when somebody, when you get arrested and by, by the police, you know, we've all been there. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you get arrested by the police and they say, you, you say, what have I done? And they go, you know what you've done. <laughs> and you go, but what, you, you can't just arrest me. Like what's the charge? I think, you know, that you've done wrong and you can think about it, you know, but, uh, it's so bad. That we're not even going to mention it. We don't even like talking about what you've done. Get in the car, and it's like that's how we live our life through this feeling of fundamentally flawed, but we're not really sure why we're flawed or what it is. We just know that we are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, and and it's actually that's one thing that I discovered. I, I try and teach people how to change their habits, right? So I have I've coached people. I've had uh, habit courses, and I try and um, I say, well, do do steps one, two, three, and four, and boom, you have a new habit. And, and they'll be like, okay. They're like so excited, and they do steps one and two, and then they, they fall off, and they're like, oh, there's something wrong with me. And actually, that's something wrong, that belief that there's something wrong with them is what caused them to not do steps three and four, is they sabotage it. They they Maybe they messed up for some reason, and then they're just like, oh, that's just a confirmation of how sucky I am. I already believed it, and now like I messed up today. I didn't meditate. Like I plan to, and and so okay, this I, I am just fundamentally like a shit bag, right? And so like you don't go and meditate the next day. and actually that would have been that would have solved the entire problem. Just get back on the horse. Just meditate the next day would have been no problem at all. But you turned it into a huge problem because of this like confirmation, you know, of, of how bad you are.
0: Yeah, man, it's so huge, isn't it? So
1: how, you you must help people with this all the time. People have this problem. Like what do you do to help people who have um, this feeling that there's something wrong with them?
0: Yeah, it's a common feeling. Like what, what my people say to me is uh, I've got everything I've ever wanted, but I still feel empty. So it presents as an emptiness or as a, uh, I don't feel good. What, what, what happened? I got a nice house. So, you know, I got the wife I always wanted. I got kids, dream job, money's okay. But I just feel lost and empty. Like what happened? Yeah. Um, that, that's how it looks for me um yeah well one big thing is just to it's starting the process i'm trying to say this in a non-cheesy way but it's to (laughs) deeply fall in love with everything about yourself um and for me that started as an affirmation that i didn't believe okay you know so what was it yeah like to deeply love everything about yourself means like oh i'm overweight you know i would carry this little bear belly around with me so uh does that, i gotta love that okay I gotta, that's a part of myself so i gotta love deeply love that okay the beer belly yeah uh i gotta um
1: what, what was the affirmation that you would say to yourself
0: uh i nathan deeply love everything about myself yeah
1: and did you have a practice of saying that every day or i still or do certain times? yeah so i okay. say in
0: the morning and the evening and uh at some point during the day i'll write it out like doing lines at school you know like when you get in yeah. trouble
1: You actually write it out on paper.
0: Yeah, I I have like 30 affirmations, so I change them up which one I write, but I say all of them as soon as I wake up in the morning. It's the first thing I do because programming the subconscious is best when you're still half asleep and your conscious mind's not getting in the way. So, um, yeah, I think affirmations have got a bit of a bad rap, I think. Yeah, yeah. People kind of think, oh, that's uh, stupid Stupid. or it doesn't work (laughs) or it's like sitting in your home wishing you had a Ferrari. But for me, it's... um, it was about fundamentally...
1: Well, you're retraining yourself.
0: Yeah, and it's it's being the person. It's actually not creating something uh, fake. It's actually reminding myself who I am. The conditioning yeah. has been everything but that. The condition is being you're not enough unless you have six-pack abs. Don't deeply love yourself until you're successful. Have you found your purpose yet? Don't love yourself until you've got a purpose. So that That's been the conditioning for me for whatever reason. So it's actually reminding myself... I deeply love everything about myself. Every day, I'm getting better. I'm enough right now. When I wake yeah. up in the morning, it's the first thing I am. I's enough before I do anything during the day. I'm enough. That's true, but I forgot. So, yeah. so that's my practice. And yeah, it's it's amazing. It just as it goes into the subconscious, slowly and slowly, you you can settle down and relax more into. I don't know what you relax into, <laughs> but you, just, you <laughs> relax.
1: More. Yeah, yeah yeah and that's actually one of the keys i found is just being able to relax into whatever you're experiencing right now. Mm. Um yeah so i think you, you hit on it there it's like we often are resisting something whatever it is in our experience we don't like it. Um and we think yeah like you you were talked about you know maybe if i after i read this one book after i you know um do this next thing then i'll have happiness. Because we're unhappy with this moment right now, including ourselves. We talked about that dissatisfaction, but also just something in our experience it could be like, however, this other person is being. Mm. Like, I don't like that right now, <laughs> you mm. know. Or it could be the way that I'm being. Or it could be just like something. I'm cold, or you know, some kind of discomfort, um, some kind of uncertainty, some kind of like just dissatisfaction with your life, with your kids, with not being able to travel, not doing the things that you love. And so like, for me, it's just relaxing into that, the experience that you're having right now is I think really a key thing. It's just, okay, there's, this is my experience right now and you know, I can wish for a different experience, but that's not what life has given me. And actually, if you relax into it, you can find, you know, some beauty in it um, and some, something to be grateful for. Like I'm, you know, like I've been out in, uh, in nature and we're like, oh my God, it's cold and I don't like it. You know, I want to get into to a warm house, right? And and again, I'm from an island, so <laughs> I don't deal well, well with cold. So, like, I'm in cold and then I'm like, okay, let's just relax and just feel the cold. And actually, I'm like, I get to feel cold. Like, how fucking amazing is that, right? Mm. Um, like, I get to, I'm alive. I have, like, senses. I'm in the middle of incredible nature. And if I didn't get to feel cold, if I didn't feel cold, I wouldn't be here. Um, and just, like, finding something to appreciate. So just relaxing into the experience and just embracing all of it, even the crappy parts of it, uh, but also the beauty of it. Um, and, in fact, the crappy parts can be beauty, beautiful too.
0: That's so beautiful. And also I, I struggle with that big time. Like, yeah, I just, just still find myself wandering off into the future and I'm I'm trying to get yep. – I'm going somewhere. I'm getting somewhere. Um yeah. And I read – I'd like your opinion on this, but I read somewhere recently they were saying like – because everyone goes, oh, you just have to be more present. You just have to enjoy the moment. You just that have easy, to – easy, right? Yeah, just. You just do it. And then I read something the last few days that was like becoming present and enjoying the moment will be the battle of your life. Like that will be the fight of your life. You know, like what's easy is to just stay in the future or dwell on the past or whatever. That's easy. You know, you can do that without thinking, literally. Yeah. What will be the – battle it was waking up every day and like forcing yourself to live in that moment and finding ways to to find joy
1: yeah and when you you mentioned like you struggle with that and i mean honestly i do too I'm, i don't want anyone to think like i'm like the most mindful like <laughs> zen master in the world or anything like i struggle with it too and then the practice there is relaxing into that struggle like okay i'm struggling with this i'm not doing very well I suck at it. And then just relaxing into that. Yeah. Nice. You know? um, so yeah, just, it's always, for me, it's about catching whatever you're doing. Um, and um, again, I, I'm very imperfect at that, but just like, okay, I'm really like struggling with this. or I'm really anxious about this. Or I'm really um, dissatisfied with myself or something else. And just catching myself in the middle of that. And then just relaxing into that mm. because, um, yeah, I mean, you, I, I think a lot of it is just that story. It's like the story about what the future should be or what this should be. And you're just like caught up in that. And if you can just notice that you're get, getting caught up and just like, okay, I see that. And I'm just going to like not be so much up here and just like relax into the current experience that I'm having. And some of it is just like relaxing into your anxiety. Like, okay, I'm feeling anxiety. Okay. What does that feel like? <laughs> and embracing that, like, just like you embrace your beer, beer belly just loving your own anxiety, um, and that's yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that's. I think people have a really loving everything themselves or everything about their life right now, because that's not what we want. We wanted something else, right? We wanted the yeah. six-pack abs or get another life. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's tough stuff.
0: Yeah, it is tough stuff. The the one I've been noticing lately is um, doing doing nothing. Like I really struggle with doing nothing. And I think part of it, you know, it's the, the, the cell phone generation, you know, there's always something to entertain, but I I don't struggle to meditate. I meditate every morning, but it's kind Mm -hmm. of like that goes in the productivity box. It almost goes (laughs) in like, you know, like you're being, all you're doing is just sitting and being, but it's kind of doing, doing, you're doing something, you're doing meditation. Something good for yourself. Yeah. yeah. The the thing I'm still, um, working on, I want to get better at is just putting the phone down, walking out the door and just having no agenda and just being like for me that, that sounds weird now that i said it out loud but that mm-hmm. gives me a lot of anxiety
1: yeah do, so you what happen-
0: do you ever do you ever just spend time
1: alone um i actually struggle with it too hmm. yeah um i do do it and then what i find myself doing is like wanting to maximize that doing nothing like okay i'm going out for a walk okay while i'm out there i'm going to start making a checklist for this you know, or planning this like i'm gonna make or writing a post for my blog you know like okay, I'm not, and then, so for me, it's like catching myself doing that, and it's honestly such a strong mental habit, I think we're, we're like in that way, it's just like finding something productive to do, um, even in our moments of doing nothing, like I could be laying here and then I'm like, okay, what can I do here that's useful, you know, Mm. (laughs) and it's like, you're dissatisfied with the idea of not doing anything, it's not, that's not, you know, it's not a productive thing, or it's not maximizing your life in some way. Yeah, so that's it's a tough mental habit to break, I think. Yeah. Because I
0: imagine you, you, you meditate, you, you don't find that struggle so much in meditation as well. You're the same as me, but it's like when you go out and there's no. Purpose. I find the struggle in meditation too,
1: honestly. <laughs> like I'll be sitting there in meditation and I'll be like, okay, I can actually use what I'm doing right now to like um, teach people about this. So like, what am, I, what am I learning right now? You know, it's like trying to maximize that meditation time. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm not saying I always do that, but I I find myself with that tendency. It's a very strong tendency in me. Mm. Yeah. And so I I think one question that I, I find interesting is what if you never broke out of that tendency? because you said, that was something you would like to get better at. What if you didn't get better at that?
0: Oh, I love that because it's like I'm asking the wrong question, right? It's like
1: I'm just curious. I don't really know the answer to that. No, I but love
0: it because yeah, I, I love that. Just, just my question of going like, oh, how do I stop? How do I stop thinking when I'm doing nothing? Yeah. Um, it's like, well, that's the wrong question. Um, uh, can... Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like thinking about questions. Um, yeah, well, nothing would happen. I, you, you know, again, what, what if I could love my, that part of myself and just when I'm out walking, go, oh, there I go thinking again, and here I am in this beautiful piece of nature, and I'm writing a blog post in my
1: head. This. Classic. Yeah. You Um, know, that actually brings me to uh, an interesting thing that I've been trying to figure out about myself. And I'm wondering if you have any experience with this, like, you know, we, we think about these, like, okay, I don't want to think these negative thoughts or, you know, there's lots of ways that we want to change our thoughts. Yeah. Um, and, um, meditation might be one of them, but it's like this idea that we can actually decide how we think. And, I've been trying to examine that in meditation it's just trying to understand like do I control my thoughts at all like you know as I just had if I have the next thought it's like whoa, well, where did that, where the hell did that come from I didn't decide to think that mm. like where did the thought come from and I have like no idea and I think what I've been coming to the conclusion is like I'm not actually in the driver's seat of my thinking mm. <laughs> and that there's just my brain I'm not saying it's like from a mystical place in the, in the cosmic universe or something but my brain just like generates thoughts without any control and without any like prompting. I mean, it's obviously there's stimulus that can prompt it, but like I didn't actually decide what stimulus to choose and where to go, what path to go from there, you know? I don't know. Do you have any experience with that?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what reminds me of is the book, The, the Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Really beautiful okay. book. I haven't read it. I'll put a link in the notes. Yeah. With a read. It's exactly about this. And he was saying, like, y- the, the thoughts that come into your head, first of all, are not yours, right? You, you know, that's like you're the observer that's experiencing the thoughts. That's yeah. kind of the, um, the basis of it. So the thoughts are just coming from all over, you know, from all different things. And he's saying, like, your thoughts, they don't have the solution. they They, they will argue both sides. Like So your thought will be like, oh, man, we should go and get pizza. And then your next thought is, we can't get pizza. You've got a beer belly. Like, you're fat. Come on, don't get pizza. Ah, but I'm so hungry and there's nothing in the fridge. So if you actually voiced this stuff or if you actually imagined two people sitting in a cafe going through this conversation, you would look at them like they're mad men. You'd be like, these people are just arguing back and forth all day about nothing. And that's kind of your thoughts, right? It's just like this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth discussion. Um, about nothing Yeah. so yeah I I think um, first just understanding exactly what you said you're not in control of them you're just observing them so I heard someone describe it as like standing on the curb um, watching uh, taxis go past you know and the temptation is you want to get in a taxi and drive off in any direction Um, but you don't know where the taxi's going. So you jump in and the taxi just drives off and could take you anywhere. Yeah. Um, and the goal is to, even though you want to go somewhere, it's just to sit back and just observe the taxi's going past.
1: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah I that uh, was- you know, another interesting thing though is, um, so the thoughts, you know, they, they just come from possibly nowhere. But actually, I mean, part of it is, who we are, we've been conditioned through our lives to become this particular thinking machine, right? And also it's the conditions that we're in right now, what we're surrounded by, right? So there's all the conditions around us that influence our thoughts. Like this conversation is influencing both of our thoughts um, and anyone else who's listening or watching to it. And so like that the thoughts are, are are brought up from that, but also it's who we are through our childhood and you know our co- coaching experiences and traveling experiences. It's all of the books we read, very very complicated. So there's like this entire uh, all all of these influences and all of the things that, that have happened in our lives have come together to form this particular thinking machine, and then the conditions that we're in, which we don't control at all. I mean, or very not not completely at least. We we don't control these conditions, they have all kind of conspired to produce these thoughts, and so I like you said we're the we're watching, the the taxis go by, but you know like, all of this has just been like incredibly, I, influenced by everything around us. Every single person has created these thoughts, um, and I think that's actually one of the key like fundamental beliefs of Buddhism, um, which I'm starting to become more and more um, a believer in, but. Um, is the idea that we are actually not like that we we often think of ourselves as like this you know human being who's like by its by himself or herself and like I think these thoughts I'm isolated from everybody else you're thinking your thoughts I'm thinking mine but actually the entire universe kind of I mean again not in like a cosmic magic way but just the the way that things have, have happened to be have created these thoughts, or this person, or this entity, just through like just incredible amounts of influence, um, and just like a lot of it is randomness, mm. you know. But um, and what's the point of all of that? Well, actually, one of the point that of all of it that must is a point. It must a
0: point. <laughs> it has you, you, to be. You can't just speak otherwise why is a point?
1: <laughs> yes, you, we we have to have a purpose to everything. Come yeah. on, um, otherwise we're not being productive. That's right. Um, So the point of all of that is that we are actually connected to every single person. We're not just an isolated island. We're actually part of a a network of connections to everything around, every single object around us, every single event, every single person. We are kind of like co-creating each other. Mm. And in that way, there's you you can't really say this is where Leo ends and where Nathan begins. It's actually we are enmeshed in each other's lives right now. Um, and in fact, for, forever more, like we'll never ever be able to say, this is Leo and this is Nathan. We are like just, uh, inseparably like, you know, just enmeshed together. So, um, and I think that's true of every single person who influences you and every single person who's influenced them. I mean, that book that you read, every single person that influenced that author has now influenced you. And, oh, yeah. and it's just like, we're actually all connected yeah. in, like incredible, like infallible ways. Um, and I actually find something really beautiful it's in mind that. mind-blowing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry to lead us down that weird tangent, but that thought just randomly came up. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I think about this a lot, and I get the irony of the fact that I think about this a lot. But mm-hmm. I, uh, the, I think that the, the distinction I've made for myself as well is knowing that whatever's generating the thoughts in my head is like the problem solver that's like the Mm -hmm. the computer that's the calculator and the thing with a calculator you got to put in the right numbers right you don't Mm -hmm. you don't just say oh calculator like tell me what we're doing the calculator goes well that's not my job i just (laughs) i just give you give me a problem and i'll solve it yeah yeah. we kind of we sit there asking the calculator like what we should do and so like we're just following all these random thoughts so like if you go and solve a problem, then thoughts are incredibly helpful, you know, because they take you, you give it a problem to solve and it will solve it. Sure. Uh, but the, the problem becomes when we turn over the control to the thoughts and go, yeah. okay, well, you, you tell me what to do. And it's like, yeah. well, go and get a pizza. No, that'll make us fat. Oh, you know, and it just <laughs> end up in this very stressful experience when you let control and stop being the observer of the thoughts and become the thoughts.
1: Yeah. Which is, I think, our. Mental default is just to like oh, sure. yeah. be like completely immersed in it and not really not not step back and say, okay, well, it's just, am I asking the right questions? You know, am I giving it the right inputs? because
0: you, yeah. you can um, control it, right? Like that's the the idea behind meditation and me affirmations, like saying I deeply love myself. I'm trying to control uh, my experience, or I'm trying to um, influence so that the good thoughts come out, the thoughts that make me feel good, the thoughts that make me you know, more purposeful. We do it in flying, right? Like we train in flying for hours and hours and hours in simulators, and we train for the worst possible scenario, which is most of the time is if an engine explodes just as the airplane's about to lift off.
1: So that's okay, the, that's the that's worst?
0: The, well, yeah, kind of, right? Like it's the worst possible time, and you have this decision to make in, this, in the split second, do I stop or do I continue taking off? So yeah, we train for that over and over and over so that when that if that happens in real life, the average person would go, ah, scream, and, you know, their thoughts would run wild and fear and everything. But if it happens to us, we go, oh, yeah, I, I've done this a million times. Like I know exactly what to do here. Still a little bit of fear, of course, but much more controlled. So yeah. I think that's that's the, the way to
1: – Is there mental training then? It's mental
0: training, and it's it's controlling your experience um, for, so you can have the best experience in that moment.
1: Yeah. 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 You know, it's interesting. I, I just launched a, um, a free, uh, training program, uh, my 44th birthday and I call it the 44, uh, training program yeah, still and That's it's 40, Amazing. it's 44 days and it's actually kind of like what you're talking about is just this mental training. And a lot of it is meditation, but a lot of it is also, um, just pushing ourselves into uncertainty, pushing ourselves into, uh, discomfort and learning just to train ourselves to how how do you react to that? Do we try and run away from it or can we sit in the middle of it and embrace it and find joy and gratitude in the middle of it? Be mindful to drop into our body like you and I had talked about. All of these things, like, you know, I mean, these, that happens to us every day and we already have mental training. Mm. We're already, like, reacting in panic when the engine explodes, you know? So like, if we could just put ourselves into the flight simulator of, of meditation and all of this kind of training, we can actually say, okay, I'm in the middle of uncertainty. I'm feeling anxiety before a, a podcast interview or conversation. And um, like, how do you react when that happens? And actually that, like I said, that happens all the time. And we and we've we've trained ourselves actually since childhood. Like we have lots of training of how to deal with that. And it doesn't go very well for us usually. So we can retrain ourselves, I think, just by putting ourselves consciously and deliberately into those kinds of situations and just doing it over and over. I think that's exactly what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Um, that course is free. And you, like I, there was a little uh, FAQ below the, the, the course. And you said, like, uh, is Leo going to sell me something at some point during this course? <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm just, this is yours. I'm just giving it away. <laughs> I thought it was really cool. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, cause I think that's the fear when you try and sign up for a free thing. It's like always there's an upsell and like, I'm totally not trying to upsell any uh, anyone. Um, so yeah, that's, I was wanted to like <laughs> leave them with that. that my, word. Brother, <laughs> my brother
0: said that to me the other day. He's like, you gotta just tiptoe through the internet so cautiously cause you put your email into one thing and suddenly you're getting 400 emails a week. So you mentioned the blog. Like I know you don't like, you know, talking about like how many users and stuff, but, um, ZenHabits.net. It's uh, Mm -hmm. been one of the top 10 blogs from Time Magazine. Um, Mm -hmm. How many users does it have at the moment? How many uh, readers?
1: I I honestly don't know. Um, Cool. I would, I would, um, I know the number of like email and um, other subscribers are in the hundreds of thousands. But I also know there's people who don't subscribe and they just visit. So altogether, I guesstimate in like, over a million, but I don't really know.
0: Yeah, I know, so I stopped,
1: cool. I stopped uh, counting stats because I found myself – it's, again, the training your mind. I found myself – I found stats training my mind to, like, care about the stats and, like, check things so often and, like, find some affirmation in, like, oh, I'm getting a lot of visitors today. So, yeah, I, I removed that. I'm like, okay, that's not the mental training that I want. Yeah. Um, and it's, there's actually a bunch of things like that that I'm like, okay – Got to stop doing that. If I'm checking this too often, that's not a healthy thing, so I, I remove that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's so but cool. a lot. I remember, and, that. yeah, a lot. I mean, honestly, I, one thing I want to say about that is, like, the number, exact number doesn't matter, but it is so many that, for me, it is staggering because, like, I'm just another guy like you or anyone else watching. I mean, not as good as you, obviously, but, you know, another person. Um, and I'm putting out my random thoughts into the world and hopefully they're helpful and people have found that to be enough like good enough to want to like follow me and subscribe and all of that and so like i feel so grateful to to be able to do that and that people have responded in that way and i feel so supported by all of these like thousands of, of people it's just like like how amazing is that i just get to be just held up but them. I, I don't know i just feel incredible gratitude for that I'm not, not saying that like just because I should, but I actually really do feel that yeah. and I find it amazing. So anyway.
0: Yeah, I feel it from you. I, I remember I, I signed up to Zen Habits like a long time ago. Like how long have you been doing it?
1: Uh over ten years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah, two thousand and seven. Yeah, that's that would be about it right actually. I remember going on to Zen Habits like it must have been in the really in the early days when you were when you were just starting starting doing it. Uh but now like you, you pump out a Huge amount of content. Like, how many blog posts do you do?
1: Yeah. Um, actually, lately it's been a little less than normal. It was like once a week, but sometimes twice a week. Yeah. Um, and then, well, actually, the thing that I do more often is now I'm doing um, video courses for a, a membership program that I have, and then a, and that free video uh, thing as well. So, I'm spending a lot of my time on that. And um, the other thing I, I think I told you guys about is I'm starting to hold live retreats, which I'm really excited about because I'm like pushing myself out of my comfort zone to um, like be in person with people and lead them through a lot of this kind of training um, in person, which is a scary thing for me. Actually <laughs> I'm a writer and I'm used to being behind a computer screen. It's like, you know, now I have to actually talk to people. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. a Good way to be uncomfortable. So yeah. how, um, I, I'm interested about that. Cause you, you, you developed this blog. I'm sure you wanted it to be successful, but you never knew how successful it would be. But, you get to this point where, you know, it's, it's really taken off. It's, you love it, you love writing, you love sharing. It's, it's everything you love to do. And then it seems like you're at this, this transition point, right? Where it's like, what next? Yeah. Um, So how has that been?
1: Yeah. And that's actually, you know, I, I've been doing it for 10 years and after a while you just like, okay, I can do this. I know how to do it. It's like you, like, I know how to travel. It's, it's no problem. So I have to push myself into some new areas of uncertainty. So yeah, this, that this year, that's what I'm doing. It's just learning how to do this kind of thing. It's like, how do I take what I'm doing to the next level? And not only for myself personally and want to be in uh, like uncertainty, but also like writing a blog post is one thing, but actually leading someone through an event is so much more powerful. And I just discovered that last year. Um, like, you know, <laughs> I can't believe I didn't know that before, but uh, it's so obvious now. But it's just like. When you go to a live event with a bunch of other people, you're, you're committing yourself to doing something. And you're connecting to other people and supporting each other through change. And you're actually, I mean, there's nowhere else to go but to do this stuff. Like usually you can just like, okay, I'll read that later. But to be there, um, it's such a powerful thing. So I, like, this is my way, of, I think a, a more powerful way of delivering my message and helping people and meeting my mission. So yeah, video was, was the next step after writing and now in person, th- uh, things is what I, I do next. Um, I don't know what the next level is after that, so I'll let you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to think about it. What, what, what's the, um, what's the mission that you, I know we, we spoke about it and you've been kind of carving out the mission, the purpose. Yeah. Well, what is it at the moment? What do you feel?
1: Like I, I think when is- I told it to you, it was, to, I wanted it to be big and bold because I've been helping people to deal with struggle. And I, the the big and bold mission statement I had was to end human struggle. And you actually um, brought up a really good point in a question you had asked me, which was like, actually struggle has helped me to become the person that I am. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it to not be in my life. And I actually believe that's really true. I, all my struggles formed me into who I am. And I wouldn't want you to not have struggle, but we can use struggle for good or it can also just beat us down into like submission and um, we can be horribly happy, um, stressed, you know, just like our lives can be in ruin because of struggle or that it transform us. We can take struggle and see it as a source of learning, of challenge and also of joy and gratitude. So that's what I want. And I haven't found a concise way of saying <laughs> that yet, but <laughs> um, I think it's t- uh, transforming struggle into joy and gratitude is where I am right now.
0: Beautiful. Like that's it, isn't it? Like that's everything.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I actually think we're never going to get rid of it and I wouldn't want to. Mm. And so how do we just use that raw material of struggle, uncertainty, discomfort that is always going to come up for us every single day and use that in, in a a beautiful way. And also just embrace it. Like you said, just fall in love with struggle and uncertainty. Yeah. Uh, Our, our, I think mutual friend Toku, um, was talking about running away from, uh, groundlessness or uncertainty. And, um, he came up with what his solution to that is. He needs to find the deliciousness in groundlessness and uncertainty. (laughs) And I love that. It's like, just, there is something delicious about it, but we, we normally want to run. That's just the human tendency we want that certainty. Like you said, we need certainty in our lives. So like when we find uncertainty, we're like, okay, where's the my, my certainty? But if we can just find the deliciousness in that uncertainty, um, we don't need to run anymore. And it just solves a lot of a lot of problems and it saves a lot of struggle, I think.
0: Exactly. I, I feel like uh, there'll be people listening that are like, ah, oh, nice story. Nice story about <laughs> uncertainty. Like, yeah, it, it was nice to listen to and they're just sitting on the couch or they're out walking or they're, um, on the train or on the on the bus yeah um, but they're not convinced yeah you know like so what can someone do if someone's just feeling like okay i get it i have to be uncertain but i'll, I'll do that once i get more certainty <laughs> or something yeah. like that well, how, how can you what's a step we can encourage people to take to get out of their comfort zone and, and feel that uncertainty and start to experience the deliciousness of not being grounded
1: well, the thing, the problem with that is it's hard to it's hard sell because <laughs> roundlessness and uncertainty. like the
0: hardest <laughs> sell.
1: <laughs> like who the hell wants to, to put themselves in that, right? Like it's no, it's way more fun to have the pizza and, you know, sit on and watch Netflix or check your phone. Sure. Way easier, right? So what you have to do, I think what you need to do is understand what problems that causes, and I think we all realize it at in some at some level. We see ourselves procrastinating, for example, mm. like that becomes a major problem in our lives, and we're just going on all of our online distractions and not and never doing the thing we love, or you know exercising or whatever it is, writing the, the great novel that we want to write. Like we're putting all of that amazing stuff off, and so procrastination is actually a huge problem. And so if we look at that just that one problem alone. We can see all of the pain that it causes. If you also look at dissatisfaction with ourselves and our lives, dissatisfaction with our beer gut, belly, and everything else, like our, you know, in the the sense of loneliness, those are actual real pain points. And if you can just pay more attention to those, we don't want to look at those. It's like when I used to be in financial problems, I used to shove my bills into the drawer because I didn't want to look at them, and I actually caused much more problems than if I just like looked at them. So we don't want to look at the pain in our lives. And actually that's what we need to do in order to motivate ourselves to work with this stuff. So actually looking and seeing, okay, actually I'm causing myself all kinds of problems. And often we'll blame it on other people, but we cause ourselves all kinds of pain. We have anxiety in our lives, loneliness, we have depression, we have anger, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but they're real pain. And if we can, and we have real pain about ourselves and just how bad we are. So if we can just look at that first and say, okay, this is real pain and there is a way to deal with this and there is a a way to get to a better place, then that is, I think, when you're ready to start training. But you have to look at the hard stuff first. And Actually, that's one of the problems that people don't even want to think about. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like an app on your phone. Um, You know, the Facebook, for example, you open that app on your phone and it gives you something delightful, like, whoa, I get a message from someone, right? Or nice picture of my my beautiful you know niece or whatever but if you um, had an app on your phone that every time it opens up it reminds you of how crappy your life is you probably would never open that app you know? yeah. it'd be like okay i'm going to delete that app from my phone yeah that's what i'm i'm offering people an app where you like look at how much pain you have in your life <laughs> like no one wants that <laughs> so <laughs> Not a big seller no so, so what I often do then is I, I describe – I d- disguise all of that crap with a nice like layer of gold over it and um, and I just tell them like you're going to find mindfulness and peace and joy in your life. So if you could, if I can sell them on that, mindfulness and peace and joy, maybe they'll actually look at the crap underneath. <laughs> it's maybe like, not the best way to describe it.
0: But <laughs> I, I used to be like a, a big yo-yo dieter and, you know, like when I was in a fat phase <laughs> – um just don't get on the scales. Yeah. Avoid the scales. Like when you're feeling skinny and when you're working out, you're on the scales all the time. Like, yeah, like look at my progress. But if yeah. you don't if you don't see the number when you're putting on weight, then it doesn't
1: exist. Yeah. It's just a problem like you can think about later, right? Yeah. It's another form of procrastination, I think, but it's just like yeah, shoving your bills in a drawer, you know? Uh, yeah, no, I'm the same way. Actually I don't I never I lost a bunch of weight myself and I don't know what I was at my heaviest because I would never weigh myself. Yeah. So I don't know actually
0: how much I lost. I have to estimate. Um I want to ask you about your dark side in a, in a minute because we all love that question. Uh, but before that, um, people can go to zenhabits.net to read more about you. Uh, a couple of questions for you. So if if I go onto Habits, it's my first time and I go to check it out. What? How do I? What do I do? Where should I go? How does it work? I know it's a it's a very beautiful, simple website. <laughs> it's pretty, but. Um, the 44 day video. How do I find that? Is that what you want people to check mm-hmm. out at the moment? And do you have a retreat plan? Is there another retreat locked in that people can look at, apply for, or is it coming? Or yeah. They stay tuned or
1: it's a good, those a good question. So the first thing is when you go to the site, there's only one article on the, on the page. And I recommend you read that article, whatever the, the current article is, it's the best one I've ever done. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, but also at the bottom, there's a link to the archives and there's like a thousand, there so Mm. you can just kind of go through um there's a a, also a link to the books page where you can read some of my books if you want to i mean you'll have to buy them actually um but actually i realized when you asked that question i haven't put the 44 program on that page or anywhere to find so (laughs) i need to put that somewhere maybe on the books page i'll put that um so that's where i would go if you want to like learn more um i don't have a specific retreat plan right now but i do I am planning one in the fall um, and I don't know when people, you might be listening to this podcast in, you know, 2019. (laughs) So, uh, but if you're listening to this in 2017, uh, fall 2017, probably October, I'm thinking now of trying like a tropical location just because I love the tropics. So I might go to Costa Rica, um, but I want to go all over the world. So I want to go to like Europe, Tokyo would be amazing, Um, you know, Bali or New Zealand. Um, So basically, I want to take my retreat and do different versions of it and just kind of experiment with it um, and play around with people and fuck it up uh, in all kinds of places around the world, Uh, tropical locations to, you know, Iceland and, and uh, yeah, urban Tokyo. So yeah, that's kind of, it sounds amazing.
0: How many people were on the first one? Was it
1: only six,
0: Beautiful, which
1: was a huge disappointment. No, actually it was, um, it was beautiful. It was like my first one and it was only six, very intimate, and perfect um, because, like, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, and so it was like, if I had if I didn't know what I was doing in front of like fifty people, that would be probably a disaster. Um, but not knowing what I'm doing in front of six, but they're very loving and forgiving people. So actually, it was it went beautifully. I, I was really blown away by how well it went, and people felt it changed their lives, and I felt um, a lot more confident in my abilities to meet people where they are and help them in some way in person. Mm. That sounds awesome.
0: Well, let me know when the next one is. I'd love to come on it and, uh, and support you. Well, for you, I'd have a special
1: price just 10 times the normal price. <laughs> That's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It'd still be a deal. It would still be yeah. a deal. Um, so, I, I have
1: to increase your commitment. You know, <laughs> if, it's, if I make you pay
0: if, yeah. if too little, it would be good. You have to make it uncomfortable for me now that you know my <laughs> secrets. Um, so final questions about the dark side. Uh, every man has one. I'm, I'm really interested to hear what your version is or what you even think about you know what the dark side is and uh how do you embrace it do you not embrace it is there a part of you you don't like to acknowledge or talk about
1: um yeah i i like that you you have it in singular the dark side there's only one i actually have like many many dark sides um i don't even know where to start with that question um
0: go to the scariest one that you don't want to talk about
1: yeah everything I write about on my blog is um, I like talk about like I know what I'm talking about. And the really scary thing for me is for people to realize like how much I don't know what I'm talking about and how many times I fail at exactly the advice that I'm giving. Mm. Um, And so like, and I just did one on self discipline and then following that up, I had one of the worst stretches of, lack of self-discipline in my life uh, just recently like this past weekend um just totally could not i got into like a funk and a slump and just did not know how to get out of it and i'm now slowly getting out of it but it's um yeah like i get into like i talk about eating healthy and during that funk i was like just eating the worst you know <laughs> the worst diet and just like drinking too much and I was like, if people saw me with like the potato chips crumbling down my <laughs> down the, my front and like beer dribbling down, it would probably not be a, a pretty sight. It Really embarrassing. So don't tell anyone about that.
0: Um, between you and I.
1: Um, but also, just like I have um, really childish things about me when I get into like you talked about opening your heart and being vulnerable to your your partner, like. I do the same thing. I mean, I I try and do the same thing. And then when in the slightest sign of them not being completely like open hearted and loving, um, I will like shut down and, um, and like go into like childhood emotional patterns and just like, I don't know, like I don't need them and just be really silly about things. And it's just, I think, I mean, childlike can be a beautiful word, like childlike wonder and just like this childlike view of the world, but it can also be like childish and like uh, emotionally in, insecure and um, not mature. So that I have those sides of me. Um I have a lot of insecurities and fears about myself. Um I, uh, yeah, I, I have a hard time with all of that, honestly. Um The way, the ways that I embrace it is I'm, I have a hard time. Like you, you talked about, trying to love everything about yourself, that's a tough one for me. I just taught a course on it. Of course, I can talk about it all day long, but doing it is way harder. Um, and so, yeah, I i came from a place of a lot of pain about myself. That is why I got so overweight, why I got so bad into financial problems. Is like I just didn't want to deal with any of that. And I was trying to just like fill the emotional, painful hole in my heart with food and all the comforts in life um and of course it just made me feel worse and worse about myself <laughs> so that i figured out that didn't work and so i'm trying to like recover from that but at the at the um part of that is still a lot of pain about myself and like not wanting to be seen not wanting um people to see like how inadequate i am And I have built a lot of structures and, you know, facades around me to make it look like I have my life together and that I'm all, I'm this amazing person and I have a million uh, readers and all of this, you know, it, it looks great from the outside, but actually from the inside, it doesn't feel like that at all. So yeah, I would say that would be my dark side. I am trying to embrace it. It is a hard thing for me. That's actually one of the hardest things in my life is to embrace it. Um, But the the way that I've worked with it that's worked is um, instead of trying to work with like how I see myself um, and, you know, I think maybe the affirmations might be a, a cool way to to deal with that. But instead of working with that kind of like overall picture is I just work with individual moments. Like right now I'm feeling crappy about myself and then I investigate that with curiosity. Well, at my best of times. Most of the times I don't do it, uh, but at my best of times, I'm like, okay, what does that feel like? What's going on there? And just try and like really embrace that experience. I'm experiencing something right now and it's not necessarily the most pleasant, but I can just like, okay, this is my experience right now. And yeah, maybe I can wish someday of having like the perfect life, but actually right now is maybe the most important moment in the universe And so if I can just right now just find um, something to love about this experience, even if it feels crappy, like what is the thing to love about that? And actually what I found, I don't know how much you want me to go into this. Um, I might be answering way too long for you. But uh, what I found is if I can go into that experience of loving the hurt, the hate, the anger, all of these dark sides of me, um, and all of the, the self-hatred. I can just love that and I like, just really experience it. I find that actually underneath all of that is like this tender heart. It's almost like this like scared little kid, you know, but it's kind of, I, I think of it as a tender heart, and that is like in pain right now. All of this all of the chaos of the world has like been shooting daggers at it. it's in pain. And so there's the pain, but also underneath it is the tenderness. And that's actually a, like, really sweet, beautiful thing that we don't let ourselves see very often, you know? And I think underneath that is just, like, what I've been learning is just this basic goodness, a basic awareness. The guy watching the taxi is, like, that awareness is, is not a cold awareness. Actually, it's a loving awareness. Mm. So I'm trying to, like, see that more. And again, those are in my best moments. In my dark moments, I don't do that at all. <laughs> <That's good
0: enough. laughs> yeah. Thank you for that yeah yeah the the dark side i find it fascinating i mean it's obviously it's a complicated thing just just to call it the dark side it's a bit simple but i, I can't remember i was reading a book that said that the dark side you either pretend you don't have one yeah that's kind of pushing the the bills in the drawer and just going no i like i'm all good I, there's nothing wrong with me and then eventually it comes up and de- destroys yeah. you in some way there's the other side where you just like fully become your dark side and it's like when your wife's not playing ball you're just like well fuck you like i'm (laughs) you just just become that horrible person you're like that this is me you know this dark side's me yeah Um, which is obviously not healthy either right because it's not you or else is that way where you can embrace it where you can go okay there's this this part of me and the thing with the dark side i think it's not always bad right we think it's bad but it's only dark because it's in the shadows it's not dark because Mm. it's. Um, yeah that's a really the, good point the side that's in the light is just the side that we want to show that's why it's in the light there's just stuff that we keep in the dark because we don't like telling people about it or but it's not necessarily you know bad
1: yeah um, so embracing we it think of critical. it as bad
0: we think of it as bad yeah but it's, we um, tend to
1: yeah we don't want it
0: i think right. usually yeah keep it in the dark
1: and to just uh, another analogy is like think of it as like a good friend you know, like we, if, if you, if you told a good friend, like, I want you in the closet, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I want you in the dark. I don't, I don't want to talk to you when things are bad, but I and only, I want to talk to you when you're happy and you're beautiful and you know, everything is great about your life. Like that would not be a good relationship, right? But if you just said, yeah, I love you for all of who you are, including your dark side and you know everything about you and, and just completely embrace that friend and you're just there for that friend, even when they're hurting that's a good friend is when you're there when they're hurting, not only during the good times. Right? Yeah. So like when, when we're hurting, when we have anger, you can just be there for yourself during that time. that's when you start to develop that good relationship. But actually most of us have a really bad relationship where we don't even want to acknowledge ourselves for, for having that. we, we, we like constantly shame ourselves for having it. Um, yeah, it's, it's that, I think that's one of the main problems is just like not, not wanting it, not wanting to acknowledge it, and not wanting to have it in you in the first place. I, I also um, that idea of not wanting to acknowledge the dark side. That was me for a really long time. I always spun things to to the positive, like, oh yeah, I have this, but it's you know it's actually a positive thing. Mm. So I always try and look at the positive side of things. And I have friends who are still the same way. It's like every they don't acknowledge that they ever have any difficult feelings because like, oh no no that wasn't a problem that whatever I had because you know, all of all these good things. And I'm like, well, actually, I, I can acknowledge that I have difficult feelings. I have loneliness. I have anger. I have all of these, you know, things that you might say is bad, but actually it's just part of who I am, part of the human experience, part of life, right? So I have to just acknowledge that and just like be able to turn and face it and stay with it instead of running away from it or just or hiding from it or like pushing it away or smacking it down. Just, like, stay with it and then ideally, of course, I'm not ideal, but ideally I can stay with it with a loving presence and just, like, be in the middle of my whatever you want to call it, darkness, you know, anger, whatever, um, and just be there with it, um, which is a hard thing to learn how to do. It's, like, again, training ourselves, right?
0: Yeah, thank you. But yeah, it's, this is awesome. It's, it's been a great conversation. Like, I loved It's kind of a theme that's emerged out of it, right, which is, yeah, I wouldn't have... I don't know. I wouldn't have picked it. I think we failed in trying to screw this up. I think Oh, uh, like, I really it. enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> we can we can just do it at the end. Yeah, yeah, we can screw it up now. Then we can just cut off the ending. Yeah, and just stop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Leo, I'm so glad that we uh, our paths crossed for whatever reason. It's you know, been a real privilege getting to know you more, and it's been a privilege talking to you today. And thank you for being open and vulnerable, and yeah, taking us to some of the places that you don't normally talk about. It'll uh, benefit a lot of people. So I appreciate that.
1: It's been a privilege for me too and I want to um, acknowledge you for that too. You, you brought me um, along on this, you know, talking about these things and I think I don't often get to talk about it so you gave me that space and I really appreciate it.
0: Cool. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, man. Well, I hope you'll come back on the show soon and uh, Zen Habits is the website. Go and check it out and thanks, Leo. Thank you there you have it folks my conversation with the wonderful leo balbado i hope you enjoyed that conversation you can read more about leo at his website zenhabits.net if you're interested in leo's training program called the 44 training program he mentioned which is turning uncertainty and discomfort into mindful openness you can find that free course at zenhabits.net slash the 44 so zenhabits.net slash the 44 and you'll find that free course there uh, thank you so much for listening as always i'd appreciate if you could give us a little like on Facebook as you pass by. Share it around if you get a chance. And uh, I'll see you next week for episode number 25 of The Nathan Seawood Show.
1: That was The Nathan Seawood Show. Personal conversations with powerful men.